0: Hello, and welcome to The Bear Podcast. This is your host, Susan Hyatt. This is Season 2, Episode 5. The Bear Podcast is a show where we talk about your body and your life. We're not here to talk about dieting or gimmicky weight loss plans or any of that nonsense. We're here to talk about taking excellent care of yourself and feeling like the queen that you are. We're here to talk about self-esteem, confidence, empowerment, and feeling mentally and physically strong, whatever that looks like for you. Let's get into today's episode. Our first segment is called Big Questions, and I'm choosing a question from a client or a woman in the Bear Daily program, and I'm answering it here. Here's today's question. It comes from Gloria. She writes... I always see things saying, love your body and stuff like that. And my problem is, I literally don't know how to love my body. I don't think I've ever loved my body. I never like seeing photos of myself. And when I look into the mirror, I feel mediocre on a good day or disgusted on a bad day. I wish I could love my body, but I feel like my brain doesn't even know how to do that. Oh gosh, I understand this question, and I understand what you're feeling. I used to feel the exact same way. 12-ish years ago, my life was very different than it is today. Back then, my self-esteem wasn't so hot. Back then, I didn't take very good care of my mental or physical health. And back then, I was carrying about 40 pounds of extra weight, and I didn't feel comfortable in my skin. Back then, if someone had said to me, Susan, just love your body, love yourself, I would have rolled my eyes like, are you fucking kidding me right now? (laughs) But now today, I do absolutely love my body and I love getting dressed in the morning and I love running and lifting weights. I love food and I don't feel the urge to eat excessively like I used to. Today, I enjoy my body and my body feels like a friend, not an enemy. So how did I get from there to where I am today? It didn't happen overnight. It required a lot of small, gentle steps like baby turtle steps. If you want to start taking some little turtle steps towards loving your body, here's something that might help. I call it the body scale. So imagine a chart, a horizontal line stretching from left to right. Way over to the left, we've got body violence. That's a negative 10. And way over to the right, we've got body love. That's a plus 10. And in the middle, we've got body neutrality. That's a zero. I'll explain those ideas a little bit more. Body violence is a place where you intensely dislike your body. This is a place where self-harm often happens. All kinds of self-harm, things like cutting yourself, starving yourself, binge eating, anorexia, bulimia. This is a place where your body feels like a prison and like a place where you want to escape from. This is a dark place. And way over to the other side of the chart, we've got body love. And this is a place where you intensely love your body. This is a place where your body feels like a home, like a friend, a place where you're super happy with your body, enjoying your body every day. And in the middle, we've got body neutrality. And this is a place where you don't dislike your body. You don't like your body. You just feel pretty neutral about it. It's just a body. You take fairly good care of your body. You're not harming your body, but you're not exactly celebrating your body either. It's just there. It's fine. Like, whatever. Often when clients hire me for coaching, they're somewhere between a zero and negative 10, somewhere between neutrality and violence. They want to experience plus 10, they want to experience love, but it's tough to go from a negative 10 to a positive 10 overnight. It takes patience, gradual steps. So if you feel like, I don't know how to love my body, then my advice is don't worry about loving your body right now. Don't worry about getting to a plus 10 on the chart right now. Right now, let's just see if we can get you from negative 10 to negative 9 and then from negative nine to negative eight. And maybe next month we get you to a negative five, and then zero, and then we'll keep working towards increasing positive numbers. What's something that you could do today to move yourself a little closer towards the positive side of the chart? It doesn't have to be something huge. You don't have to stare at yourself in the mirror, buck naked and shout, I love myself. If that feels ridiculous right now, You can do something so much smaller. For example, you can close your eyes, take one big breath, and say something appreciative to yourself like, Hey, my nails look cute today. Or, I'm grateful to have legs that function and carry me around this city. You could start there. Start with tiny compliments, start with tiny moments of appreciation. Start with tiny acts of self-care, like getting a little more sleep, or popping outside for some sunlight and fresh air, or treating yourself to some scented hand lotion that you really love. All of these little acts of love start to add up, and they add up and up and up, and over time, you'll move closer and closer to a place where you genuinely, honestly, seriously love that body. And if you're a visual person and you want to see the body scale chart that I described earlier, here's where you can download that. Go to the show notes and there's a link where you can just click on it and download it and it's yours. And if you need help with this process, please, please, please get support. Talk to a friend, join a support group, get yourself a therapist or a coach. Find a tribe. There are so many resources and programs out there that can really help you. And for starters, I run a program called Bear Daily that's full of women who are on this journey with you. Some of the kindest, most encouraging women you'll ever meet. Bear Daily is the kind of place where you can post a note at 10 p.m. at night saying, I'm freaking out or I'm having such a tough week. And five women will reply right away to give you a pep talk and words of love. It's pretty amazing. Google Bear Daily right now if you want to check that out and we would love to welcome you into the family. Our next segment is called Tell Me Everything. This is where I chat with an amazing woman that I love and we have a conversation about food, feminism, fitness, sex, or something else I'm dying to talk about. And today we're chatting with Olympian Jamie Silverstein. Here we go. All right, everybody, welcome Jamie Silverstein to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. So Jamie, you have quite the resume. You are an Olympic bronze medalist. You are a yogi. You own the Grinning Yogi in Seattle, correct?
1: Yeah, I own Grinning Yogi actually in Portland and Seattle. And okay. I, have to, I have to correct you. I didn't get bronze at the Olympics, but um, we, we were bronze in the United States.
0: You know that Wikipedia is wrong, then. Wikipedia had to as an Olympic bronze. I award. love it. Well, well that's still cool with me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Jamie, you have quite an amazing life story, and I wanted to invite you on to, to the Bear podcast because um, you have been an eating disorder advocate and um, role model for people in recovery for decades now. And I wanted to share a little bit of your story here with my listeners, because now you're a new mom. Yeah, I have a one-year-old. He turned one on Friday. Oh my gosh. And so we were talking just a little bit before uh, the podcast started about how motherhood has really impacted your view on body and food and all of those things. So talk a little bit about that.
1: Sure. Yeah. Well, so like you said, I, um, I've i been in recovery since I was um, in my very early 20s. And even to the point where uh, I've worked at treatment centers for almost a decade, kind of um, holding myself as an option to other people. Um, I remember when I was really struggling, I didn't understand that people got through this. And mm-hmm. so... For me, um, part of my advocacy advocacy work and part of my kind of accountability work was to kind of say like, hey, I'm human. I don't always do it right, but there is, there is a way out of this. And what's been so interesting um, since I had the kiddo is just how when life changes, and this is how I know that I'm doing the work, but also how I know that there is work to do, like when life changes, everything that you haven't felt or dealt with, it surfaces. And then you have to consciously pick, like, how am I going to sit in this work? And am I going to um, numb out and use food and, you know, use sleeplessness and and use any of these things um, to not heal? Or am I going to let myself feel knowing that sometimes that's wretched? Mm -hmm. Uh, But it's also the
0: way back home. Oh, my gosh. So many, so many things you said in just a couple of sentences. (laughs) Um, first of all, that sometimes the work is wretched, <laughs> which I do think that sometimes my clients when they enter into this work with me with the bare process think that they're doing it wrong if they feel crappy. Mm. Um, right? Like that I'm somehow doing it wrong. Susan yeah. seems Jamie, Susan, whoever seems so happy. Um, therefore, this isn't for me or or I can't make it through. So the first thing you, you said was that like just being a role model or a light at the end of the tunnel that like hey people get through this. Secondly different phases of your life bring up different things and there's just another layer of work to be done and sometimes it's wretched <laughs> and that there's an alternative to numbing out.
1: Yeah well I mean I'm of the mind that any kind of you know, let's just call them bad coping skills. We have like they came in as like a symptom management. They are not necessarily the problem. Mm-hmm. And you know, for me, like the the wretched part or the hard part is like there are things that I've had to feel and heal and kind of like hold people accountable to and hold myself accountable to. And that stuff's hard. Mm-hmm. And it's definitely easier to grab a cookie or you know not grab a cookie or whatever mm-hmm. the thing is. Um, that I think that's also the work to be done. It's the work of being human. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, like the moment we're in, and, and I notice it myself, so we do like no screens around the baby. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when it's really quiet, like I have this compulsion, like I just don't want to be in the quiet. My mother-in-law's walking down the stairs. Okay. Um, okay. But it's, it's really interesting to me that like the work is again and again, teaching ourselves to be present when maybe the present isn't, isn't the place we want to be, you know? Mm-hmm. But
0: What did you notice after you became a mom? What did yeah. you notice, like, was a, a trigger for you or something that invited you to do some more work?
1: Yeah, oh gosh. I mean, I think for me, the thing that I've been working on the most lately is, like, I kept on... Like, you know, the first six months, the first nine months, like, oh, I'm just waiting to get my life back. And then everything will organize back as it was because I had a really nice kind of system of self-care going. Mm-hmm. And uh, You know, like after about nine months, I realized like, oh, it's not going to go back. Like, this is my new normal. And that's really terrifying because then it's figuring out like how I get my needs met as an individual and as a career woman and as a wife and now out as a mama. And, um, it's incredibly overwhelming. And I think for me, one of my triggers and soft spots is just feeling overwhelmed Mm -hmm. Uh, because that's a hard place to, to feel, especially when we like label ourselves as successful or together or Mm -hmm. any number of things. Mm -hmm. And then of course, just like the drama of my body is not my own. You know, I'm lucky enough to be able to breastfeed my son and all that, but, um, you know all of the things that that I would do um, potentially to get myself in a line, well, now I also have to make sure that like I'm getting him in a line first, and there's a there's a little bit of tension there, which we don't talk about as moms, like the tension between like ourselves and our kids, and I think women are are shamed for putting themselves first sometimes
0: oh, for sure, I mean a, a huge part of my work is because I'm a mom, my kids are older now I mean they're they're almost 20 and almost 18. They both drive, you know, they feed themselves. Um, but I can remember, you know, a lot of the things that, that moms are taught is that like, this isn't your season like you're later or, you know, every, all of the needs of the family come first. And and the truth of the matter is when mom gets a front burner, everybody ends up with a front burner. Like, you know, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy in that house. And so it's super important for women to, to be, if it, like you run two successful yoga studios, um, and you're a mom and how how to do that in a way that where you don't lose yourself
1: yeah well first off I want to take myself off this really complimentary pedestal you just gave me because um you know like the behind the scenes like I can turn the camera around like the house is not together you know like I think we're very quick to share all of our successes and then internally a lot of people feel like I'm not that um Mm -hmm. And I can tell you, like, there are some things that are going really well. And part of that is that, like, I've asked for help. I have a lot of people that work for me. Um, And there are some things that I'm still learning how to manage. Um, And I want to be open about that because, you know, I would hate for someone to listen to this and because they're learning how to manage to feel like they're doing it wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's such a cultural script around motherhood. Like, it's funny. um, I love your burner analogy, but my mother-in-law who's in town because she came down for the birthday and and she's mad and a great grandma and she was a wonderful mother to my husband. Um, but like she certainly said that thing that you said where it's like, well, these first couple of years are for the kids. And how do I um, look at that and look at her parenting, which was so successful, but also figure out how it's going to work for me,
0: you know? Yeah. I mean, I think that that's the thing is that every, every woman has to figure out what kind of flow works for them. And, you know, I, I have a lot of help as well and have always had a lot of help. And I think that that is part of, you know, modern motherhood. We're so isolated compared to generations before us where it really did take a village and there was a village. And, um, and, you know, I think that, it has been really important, and I love that you shared that because you know I have a couple of blogs I'll link in the show notes of of my "It Takes a Village." Like all the people that help me pull off everything that I pull off, and if I didn't have them, you know, I wouldn't have a front burner. But yeah, I mean, I do think that also previous generations that's where we, we learned some of these lessons that, you know, like, it's not about you and it's all about the kids. And I politely disagree, you know, I, <laughs> or impolitely
1: disagree yeah, like, I mean,
0: a I, message to give to people. I mean, I just think that, um, that that sends a message to women that we are not as important. I mean that in, in culturally we're taught that that we're not, that like our opinions don't matter. Our votes don't matter. Our bodies are only for certain things. And, um, I'm for, I'm for women taking what they need and saying what they want and need. And, and for some women who, um, relish in the role of mom, that still doesn't mean that your needs don't matter and come last, you know? can enjoy very much being a mom and being a homemaker and being in a nurturing role and yet still be worthy of time for yourself. I, I, I
1: think that was so, so well articulated. And I mean, you're like one of the women leading the charge. So thank you for that. Well, I don't know. I'm trying, <laughs> <But certainly laughs> trying
0: to deliver the message because any of, and because from my experience, I mean, I was the mom after school pickup shoving a wheel of brie in my face with some wine (laughs) because I couldn't figure out how to say what I needed and, and feel like, feel important or empowered enough to say, you know what, you know, I need some help here and I need something else. So. And I
1: think there's this weird, even though it is 2018, there's this weird like gender role to it. Like, so my husband comes home from work, he says hi to the kid, and then he does his next thing to take care of himself. And there's like no internal drama about it. Right. And I'm just like looking at him marveling because you know, every second that I'm not actively mothering, you know, and it's so interesting. I was talking to someone and the word, um, I think the word, maybe it was parenting, but it wasn't even really a verb until the past like 20 or 30 years. Yes. It's like one way we chain ourselves. And then for me, like if we're going to circle back to the body image stuff, like when I feel like I'm doing a good job, I'm much more willing to take good care of myself. And Mm -hmm. now having another role come in that I feel like I could potentially fail at, or to be honest, most days I feel like I'm failing at, Mm -hmm. um, it's hard for me to then continue to do positive self-care because I deserve it. I think a lot of what my work is is to not be in competition with myself or not do that little like conditionality thing um Mm -hmm. and to just remember and that's what i love about being a mom like he came into this world and he's like so freaking lovable Mm -hmm. and not because he did anything just because that's his nature and you know like i think we all need to remember that that's our nature too
0: Yes, yes, Queen. Yes, it is our nature, <laughs> and it and it is so. And I and I, I agree with you that w- there's no earning necessary to deserving taking time and care for yourself. And and it is interesting to look at these kids. My kids have been my greatest teachers because they mm-hmm. don't come into this world thinking like, hmm, you know, what I'll only have an ounce of chicken. And a little bit of butternut squash and I'll save up some points and then later I'll have that chocolate cake, you know, like they're not, they're not basing their body's worth on what they earned for the day. Did I play well enough today? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So amazing. Well, thank you so much for sharing. I love that we have been able to see a glimpse into motherhood and your journey and I appreciate everything that you are doing to elevate women's roles as well.
1: Oh, well, thank you for that. And yeah, it's so great to, to meet you. Um, you're kind of rad. I went down the rabbit hole a little bit with you too. And like, yeah, I'm, I'm really admire what you're doing.
0: Oh, thank you very much. And we're finishing up with the segment that I call Bear Victories. This is where I share some posts, emails, and texts from women in my community to say congratulations and yay. Here's our Bear Victory for today. One of my Bear Daily members posted this. Just watched the Make a Scene video and decided what my challenge will be. Every day when my husband comes home from work, his first question is, is there food in the house? We've had so many conversations about how I'm not the boss of food and he's a grown man who can look in the kitchen, but he always still asks. Oh my gosh, this happens in my house too, FYI. My part in this is that I fall into a people-pleasing pattern where I eventually start telling him what food's in the house because I think I'm being mean when I don't. That is, until I get fed up and we fight about it again. So anyway, for Make a Scene Week, I don't want to fight anymore. I just want to say, I don't answer that question. And I want to be consistent about that. I'll let you know how it goes. I love this because um, I'll post in the show notes the link to a conversation that I had recently with my friend, Stacey Smith, on her podcast. And I talked about the invisible workload of women and how, unfortunately, we've been trained to be the keepers of all the knowledge around the house, like where things are, when are doctor's appointments, the vets, and the kids' school activities, and food, like what's for dinner. And it drives me bananas. And so that, my friend, is a great challenge. Make a scene challenge for me as well. All right, that's all for this episode. If you want even more inspiration and motivation, you can visit my website, shyatt.com. You'll find hundreds of hours of podcasts, videos, webinar recordings, all kinds of stuff there, all free, all for you. Thanks for listening to the Bear Podcast. I'll see you in the next episode.